Do you want to prepare for the future? Do you believe that there's going to be pressures on contingency recruitment? If you do, there is a solution out there. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm really happy to be joined today by Rob Green. Rob is the CEO and founder of GRM Group, which is a holding company combining recruitment, research, recruitment tech, and management consulting brands, all serving the global legal industry. With 20 years of experience in the recruitment industry, Rob is based in Cape Town, South Africa, although he's lived and worked on four continents. Uh, He's also the founder of Umbi, which is umbi.com. Umbi is a global skills matching platform for legal professionals. They connect legal professionals with the companies and projects around the world. This is Rob's second time on the show. Last time was way back in September 2021, episode 96. So definitely check that out. It was about the benefits and challenges of expanding your recruitment business overseas. So Rob, welcome. Great to see you again. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me on. Um, It's great to be back and to be talking to the listeners. We've uh, there's been a lot of changes in the last couple of years uh, to our market, so it'd be good to chat through them. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. First, though, I think um, I need to say happy birthday. You had a birthday yesterday. <laughs> I did. I Sadly, not getting any younger. <laughs> um, I, doesn't, I haven't managed to do that yet. Um, no, it was, it was lovely. It was really, really lovely. But I think as we, as we fathers get older, um, there's, there's less going out and partying and more... The kid's making a fuss of you, isn't it? So it was lovely. It was a really lovely day. Fantastic. Uh, Would it be impolite for me to ask what birthday this was? (laughs) No, of course not. I'm 47. So yeah, I I moved into recruitment when I was 26 in London. And then, yeah, the bulk of my life and and, uh, and, yeah, now I'm edging towards 50 um, has been spent in this wonderful industry of ours. Uh, which is going through some dramatic changes. And, and as I say, it'll be good to talk through all of those. But yeah, 47 is one of those birthdays, isn't it, where you're going to go, I'm kind of already fit. I'm already focusing on, on having a big 50th. So uh, yeah, I'm just sort of looking ahead. Awesome. Well, Rob, I, I'm a fellow Taurus and uh, my birthday hey. is when- next week. And this, hey. this is the big 5-0. So you're still, oh, you're still young compared to me. amazing happy birthday for thank you thank you so listen a lot has happened in the market and your business has uh been through a lot of change recently so can you kind of bring me up to speed on what's been going on at grm group since last episode when we caught up yeah absolutely i think uh you know i know the 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 reach of your your podcast and what you, what the, the brilliant podcast that you do and what you look to achieve. And I think one of the things I really like, and I'm sure lots of listeners love about this podcast is that you really talk to us business owners. You really, um, your guests really give a tangible tips and lessons that they've learned uh, about this wonderful industry and how to, how it really can help. I mean, uh, um, I've listened to so many of the episodes and some of the, the, the people you've had on have been exceptional. But I think it's the reason why I'm saying that is because I think it's important that the listeners understand that everything I say and everything I talk about is from a position of, um, of helping because I love our industry. I love it with an absolute passion. I have done since I walked into Baynock and Clark that first day 21 years ago. And I... And, and I know that it's changing and I, we're getting ready for it. And I think if I can help and, 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 and suggest things that I can see that people can take from it, then happy days. Um, I think, yeah, COVID, obviously we all came out of the COVID, um, the, the COVID unknown, should we call it? Uh, um, and some businesses have, have stayed similar. Some have pivoted. There's huge ch- changes going on right now. I think, you know, before, Certainly, when we talked before, we didn't mention AI and ChatGPT and and the powers of uh, generative AI and what the effects that might have on the recruitment sector and businesses in general. And there's loads of changes going on in our uh, in our business. You mentioned there, um, and I'll I'll sort of pick up on a few of those. Um, we've expanded a couple of expanded our offerings. I think. Uh, and, and divided our offer, offerings a little bit more and, and, and made them a bit more succinct. Um, 
We still have GRM Search, which is our powerhouse, our uh, executive search legal brand, we, where we focus on um, uh, ma- bigger projects in terms of mass hiring, uh, you know, team, well, mass hiring, team hiring, uh, less one-offs, more project-based, uh, longer-term projects, which is great across the African continent. Um, still very much focused on emerging markets and, 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 uh, and developing markets. Um, I ha- we have GRM Intelligence, which is our recruitment, uh, br- uh, sorry, our research brand, uh, which we've done some incredible projects over the last few years, but uh, so much so that it became a, a, a company of its own and that's been going from strength to strength. Uh, and the research we've been really doing, the bulk of it stemmed from doing research for clients in new markets. So should we have an office in? Um, recent ones we did were for, I can't say who it is because I signed an NDA, but uh, projects where we, we were looking for a UK company who was potentially going to have offices in Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, Namibia, and Mozambique. So we looked at every aspect of what they would need to understand um, about setting up their regulations, internet speed, (laughs) whatever it might be, Uh, visa issues, getting staff in, building, banking, whatever, you know, really trying to get an understanding of that. But from that came, um, I've, I've also commissioned that research team to do some work in the recruitment space which we will share and discuss in a, in a minute. Um, I'm doing a, a, a quite a bit of uh, management consulting work at the moment um, uh, in respect of, again, focused on SME law firms that are looking to grow and build and don't necessarily want to hire straight away or not sure which way to go. There's a, law is just like recruitment in the sense that the industry is going through some enormous changes now. Uh, ChatGPT being one of them and, and, and the use of AI and, and different ways of working and the pressures on billable hours and things like that. So uh, I'm helping some of the smaller firms uh, that we work with um, navigate that. Um, so the business is fun. It's going really well. But then, as you mentioned briefly there, we, we also launched Umbi, um, which is short for umbrella, but it's uh, Um, And that is a legal skills matching platform that we bay, that we launched on the back of uh, a platform called Stintit, which can uh, your uh, I implore all of your listeners to have a look at. It's Stint with two eyes, so S T I I N T hyphen I T dot com. So Stint hyphen it dot com. Um, hey Rob, we'll and- we'll link uh, in the show notes on the website. So if people go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash podcast, because a lot of people listen to this when they're driving or if they're walking the dog, they may not be able to write down or remember. So we'll make sure we include links to those websites on the uh, on in the show notes. Please do. That'd be great because I um uh, we we found this platform. It's an American firm um, based out of Miami. And um, we, we met with them. I will go into it. I know everybody says the future of recruitment whenever they talk about technology. You know that as well as I do. We've been around long enough. Um, but I promise you, I think this is a platform that is available to every individual, every firm, every in-house recruiter, every talent acquisition person, anyone. And I implore them to look at it and think about what it might do for them in the, in the future. Um, certainly from a contingency recruitment perspective. Um, and, and again, we'll get onto that in a minute. So that's growing really, really nicely. We've been uh, we've been working on that in a beta mode for quite a few months. We've now got quite a few. Uh, I, can't, I don't want to say numbers, but over a th- over a thousand uh, users, um, uh, which is going really, really well. And the difference with that is, um, and I, I've used this analogy on you with you before off camera, but I, and I get shouted at for using it, but it, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I, I've been married for 110 years. Um, so as I know you have as well, uh, so I haven't used the dating apps, but I'm told, um, that there are Tinder and there are Bumble. And whilst it's a bad analogy to use on a, on a skills matching platform, it's very similar in the sense of what we saw was, if, again, I'm up for discussion with any recruitment leader 
Whoever disagrees with me, please contact me on Twitter. We can have a chat. I'll pick up the phone. If you're interested in the industry, I am too. Um, but I feel like there's some gaps or some issues within our market that that I think are glaringly obvious when you compare it to what the way that people want to work and the way that resources are being found and the way that the role that us recruiters play and, and, that, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things, and the reason why I use the Tinder and the Bumble um, experience is because I see job boards and LinkedIn and things like that, whilst they all have a very valuable role to play, they're very much a Tinder. It's very much one-way traffic. You have to pay LinkedIn to be on it. You put a job on, you have to pay for that. You get 700-odd applicants. You've got to go through it all. The, 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 the skill set, the holder, the actual applicant that you want is kind of low down the list of priorities. Like It's all about LinkedIn. It's all about how what does our brand look like. You know, and, and I, from all the research, so I'm big circling back, from all the research we've been doing, we just kept finding that, there's, as we move into a world closer to 2030, a lot of the work that the UN and the World Economic Forum are doing, the way that the world of work is changing, the way that the new generations are coming through with Gen, Gen Y and Gen Z, the way that people want to work, they want to be taken a bit more seriously and they want to have a bit more control over the work that they do. There's a lot less faith in joining big companies and much more faith in the, their own skill set. They're not waiting around for HR to put them on a training program anymore. They're actually going out and doing courses on Udemy and YouTube and Get Smarter and all the other millions of platforms there are out there. They're taking control. And Bumble, I'm told, is uh, also very much about you You as the, uh, as the person are in control of when your uh, personal details get out there. Uh, and and Umbi on the stinted platform works in a similar way. It's it's all about the skills and experience. It's all about 100% matching, and it's all about verification of the person and the company and the job. Again, LinkedIn gets a lot of abuse uh, from companies using it for fake jobs, and I know they're working very hard behind the scenes to get rid of that, but this Umbi is 100% matched, uh, uh, anonymized profiles, and, and it fills a gap that seems to be very, very popular. People are being found for opportunities um, and they are, you know, and, and it's going well. If you're a recruitment business owner, you might be feeling the pressure to invest in new technology. But how do you invest in technology that is proven to win higher paying clients? Otherwise, overall, you're just making a financial loss. Our trusted partner, iIntro, has a solution for this. They provide recruiters with an online delivery platform for the candidate shortlist. So instead of sending over CVs or resumes, you can send your clients an online profile that includes video, key competency questionnaires, and behavioral assessments. It looks more professional than a CV or a PDF, plus it helps the client make a more informed decision about who to call to interview. But that's not all. iIntro also provides recruitment business owners with coaching for their team, not just to help them use the software, but to help them use it to win more retained business. Their comprehensive training program is specifically designed to help recruiters at all levels of experience develop their retained recruitment service. In fact, many of the hundreds of recruitment businesses they've worked with win a brand new retained client after only a few weeks of getting started. To see iIntro in action, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to book a free demonstration. There's no obligation, plus you'll also be helping to support this podcast. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Wow, um, um, my head is spinning. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, and look, this is when you and I talk, because uh, we talk you know, fairly regularly, then I, it's always a very interesting um, and tangential conversation. <clears throat> so I'm going to try, because we want to keep this around an hour, I'm going to try and stay super focused here. I am really interested in your GRM search and the kind of retained projects you're doing around hiring whole teams. But I'm if we have time, we'll circle back to that. And if not, let's do it on episode like number part three of this, uh, you know, uh, but I think the part that is completely new and fascinating is, is this research that you've commissioned 
about the world of work and and how our industry is evolving and what you know what the future of recruitment looks like because that's so original rob i don't know any other and let apart from like the adecos and the like huge companies i don't know any small recruiting firms who are investing in the kind of research that you have that you know going down this rabbit hole like you have so first of all this stems from having a whole research company at your um available to you which is which is interesting in itself and like most search firms would have when they say research they mean someone is sourcing that's fine like i putting together long lists talent pools you know that kind of research looking at individuals who may be uh, suitable for uh, a mandate that they they're working but when you say research you mean pure research as in not specifically related to recruiting um why did you create a research company yeah good really good question and first and foremost all the listeners anybody that's watching this on youtube or spotify or whatever it might be you you can do this you can pivot your business and you can you can add strengths and and remember as well that we we're we're more than just transactional people you know we uh, yeah i mean us recruiters are some of the best transaction people in the world i've ever met and i've been lucky enough to work in investment banking and law space and met a lot of m&a and transacting guys and girls and you know ph- phenomenal but some of the recruiters i've spent time with are also very 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 good transaction people that's not going to take away from anything we do as we run our business our business are our businesses are more than that i think some people sometimes forget how much we know about our market and once you start looking at that and i like we did with the law you know you start thinking oh, hang on a minute you know we've you know i have been doing this for a long time. I have moved my dear family and myself to four different continents. We have worked in over 50 cities. We have worked with companies as big as Facebook and Google and Alibaba in in Asia and all the way down to a one-man band. We understand more than we sometimes allow ourselves to think about, if that makes sense. Uh, uh, Apologies if it doesn't make sense. No, no, I'm with you. Absolutely. and I'm sure you find it when you're doing your training and your mentoring that some leaders that you work with, uh, you know, some business leaders, they don't, they just haven't allowed themselves the space to go, hang on a minute, I, I know a lot more and we can monetize that. So it, it's a lot of it stemmed from monetizing my, uh, our own knowledge, uh, the skill set, obviously looking at what clients needed um, and then really looking at what we know and, and, and what we can share. And some of it we can tweet out and LinkedIn and da-da-da, but some of it can actually be market research that people will pay for. So yes, traditionally search firms uh, will sell market maps. That's research. Great. That's completely separate from what we do. Jerome Intelligence was born out of um, the thinking that I've just mentioned and the needs from clients to look into different markets. But then you realize that we've got a very strong team. We use a lot of external consultants because research guys tend to um, work independently. So we bring them in depending on what project we need, but we do have a small team that, that's more full-time. And, um, and, and you know, without going into, you know, obviously we were able to monetize that and that's growing nicely and, and, and has grown, um, grew over COVID um, because, you know, businesses were looking and saying, well, look, we, we know that the world is going to keep turning and at some point this will come back. What do we want to look like? How do we want to be? Do we want to grow and expand overseas, et cetera? So we, we had a lot of business come out of that, which is great. However, um, there was the capacity for me to utilize the, re- the resource, to, uh, the research team um, to look into our market, into executive search and recruitment, and what are the changes that are going on. And, and I will, again, hopefully uh, you wouldn't mind, I'll send you the research report so that you're your listeners can download it. Uh, I'll happily share it. I'm, that's so generous of you, Rob. I, I, yeah, yeah, no, that's phenomenal. I've, um, I've seen it and it's really interesting mm-hmm. uh, research you put together. So, you know, it 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 might surprise people. It doesn't surprise me knowing you, but it d- might surprise people that you would, you've invested so much time and money into creating this research that you would actually 
share it with other recruiters. So we'll talk. I think the- it's essential. I think we, we've got to mm-hmm. we've got to help each other. This is a wonderful near trillion dollar industry. And some of those, you know, and if we're going to stay relevant, relevance is big key. That's the things yes. that I know that you work on Definitely. Um, and, and other trainers around the world and other, you know, that we've got to stay relevant. We can't stay inwardly looking. We've got to look at how do we adapt. And the one thing we should always be proud of, I always think with us recruitment professionals, is that we're very good adopters at adopting technology and changing and pivoting more so than any other industry in many cases. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to do uh, and, and help with. And I think that's the key to sharing this research and saying, look, this is an introduction to a discussion. These are the things that we found in terms of the way of work and the, and the attitude towards work and, uh, and therefore their skills that we can access, how to help your clients prepare and, and how and how, um, how we can also prepare. And I'm, I, I'd be delighted to talk through some of the key findings. Um, we're we're going to do that. Could. Yeah, we're going to do that right now in just a minute. I, first, I just want to highlight a couple of things you said. One is it's so smart how you have thought strategically about what clients need, how we can leverage our market knowledge and resources in... create different solutions apart from just the transaction of, you know, get a job, fill a job. Right. Um, and it's so smart that you've created this GRM intelligence because it benefits your clients and you can monetize that, but also then it benefits you enormously having like being able to generate research reports, uh, that are prepared, like the original research, that's phenomenal. And the other smart thing that I want people to appreciate is like <clears throat> when times are uncertain and we're in a difficult market, we really do need to be get creative and not bury our head in the sand and think, oh, well, the market will come back eventually. I'm just going to keep plugging away is thinking creatively about, okay, how can I, um, how can I adapt so that I create alternative income streams here? And all of our, like our, uh, the, the stability and future security of our business isn't all on one line of business, but you know, you've got multiple lines of business, which, uh, which I think is smart. But I think as well, uh, thank you, very kind of you, but they, but I think, and that's, that's everybody listening to this podcast. If you're running a one person show, or you've got 10 uh, consultants, or if you're listening to it and you've got a thousand consultants. We can all tap into this. We can all pivot. We can all change. We can all be more than just a CV sender and a job filler. Um, and it really depends on how much uh, you want to keep being around in 20 years. And, and I'm sure that some people want to get in and get out and, and make their money and leave. And that's perfectly fine. Um, there, uh, but it really depends on where you want to see the business go in the future. And it's ca- we're all capable of doing it. And that's the, what I really want to get across to, to I, your but, listeners. I don't that- know if we are. I don't know if all, you know, there's, I mean, I love this industry as well. And, but there is a, there is a broad spectrum of, uh, of, of people in this business. And as you say, there's people who are in it more for the short term, and, you know, and, and who, or who are new to the business and they're still not sure if it's their long-term career. And then there's people who are looking at this as a long-term, I want to add value and really build uh, something here um, where, so, so I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know that everybody, yeah. this is for everybody, but for those who have the appetite, I think you're yeah. blazing a trail and showing your role model of what's, uh, what's possible, Rob. Oh, it's very kind of you, Mark. I should phone you every Friday. The, the, uh, but, but I was just going to say you. So I was just going to say you. You're absolutely right there because you know not everybody would want it. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is, if you want to pivot, uh, it is inside you. Right. Uh, and, okay. and, and, I'm, and I'm happy to 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 take any phone calls or anything that anybody wants to drop me a line, and I'll definitely help. But right. yeah, let's dig into the to the findings. I think. Yeah, Napoleon. Just one more thing uh, that you maybe think of is Napoleon Hill. His 
reputation has been called into question uh, in recent times, but he's the author of the book Think and Grow Rich, which uh, a lot of us who are into personal development will have read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. So he proposed the idea that you, the, the fact of having a desire to do something holds within it, holds within that desire the potential to realize it. In other words, you wouldn't have the desire unless you are capable of, of fulfilling it. So yeah. if you find that you really want something badly, uh, badly enough that you could call it, it's something you desire, then that's an indication that you also have the potential to achieve that thing. So if you want it, I'm just recapping what you said. If you really, really, yeah. really want to do something, you can do it. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I think you, you know, you just got to want it enough. And if you do want it enough, you'll make it work uh, and you'll visualize it and you'll do everything you can. And you'll take advice and you'll, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. I think, um, okay, so in terms of the, the let, let's give a little bit of context. So as, as I was looking at the research team and I was thinking, okay, I really, I really want to know more about where we're going to be going as an industry. I want to know you know, I have my opinions and I, and I wanted the, some of those opinions backed up with a little bit more than just Rob reckons, you know, but um, again, I, I, I've been around a long time in this game and I love it. And I, and I can see where things have changed. I mean, you, you and I will be of the, of the school that remembers time before we really used email, you know, I mean, yep. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that, <laughs> that's true. Uh, we used to walk around CVs to offices. Um, we, uh, we will remember the time before LinkedIn, you know, when, when really the strength of a lot of recruiters was in the data that they held and then LinkedIn just blew that apart and went, well, there's all the data. So we have to pivot and change and add value. And it's definitely improved the industry. I mean, you can only need to look at the numbers by someone like, you know, staffing industry analysts, they do that, you know, they'll show how big agency recruitment has has become uh, over the last t a decade or two, um, and you know. I, I, but I'm, I'm. I looked. I kept sitting there going, "How do we stay relevant? How do we? You know, we've got to. In the time when all of the data is out there, when um, uh, you know, how do we stay relevant? How do we keep improving? And what is going to happen to the industry? And this is where we may differ, you and I." Um, in terms of opinion, and, and, and I'm that, delighted with that, by the way. I'm always happy to, 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 um, to talk things out and be proven wrong as well, um, for sure. But I think that whilst a recruitment as, as an industry will continue to develop, and I think executive search and really good re, uh, search is always going to have a place and it's always going to expand, I think at the recruitment stage, where contingency recruitment has some challenges ahead. I think in terms of staying relevant, um, and I think good providers will always have a place. And, you know, I always say to some of the staff, like, how do you help a, an agency that's got a hundred jobs working and they're feeling like mad and they've had a, the biggest month ever and say, look, you might want to just do something, you know, cause they, they're, they're like, well, what do you know? <laughs> we've just had the biggest month ever. So it's hard to tell people to prepare, but I'm always preparing anyway. So I think contingency recruitment has got a few challenges. I think it will, uh, uh, you know, there's too many options available um, to firms. And what we've seen in the markets we work is that the, the price of contingency recruitment is starting to come down and firms are not prepared to pay 25% that they used to pay. They don't want to pay 20%. They're putting pressure on 15. They're going closer to 12. Some are going under 10. Like it's getting, and again, I hate the comparison. Shoot me now. But the same thing happened in a state agency, right? It, uh, you know, they, they used to charge 15% as a commission. It's now down to five. It's down to three. And then there's that one in the UK that I can't remember. It's called Purple something. Purple Bricks, um, yeah. There we go. It's like a flat fee, quick. sort of low, low fee. There's a flat fee. Yeah. So things change. So I, I, this is, I'm just giving the context of where my desire to do some research into the market and the way of working came from. The team then took that on. They came up with the research report, which I'm looking at here, which was the three meta trends and revolutionizing the way we work, which I will send to you and share with you. And it was really looking at the three core trends and everything around it that's changing the way that we work. 
And when we we had, uh, uh, so I've got it in front of me, so I'm going to just read a couple of bits, but I won't bore your readers, I promise, uh, your listeners, sorry. The You look at the way the world is changing, and, and let's t- move away from recruitment for a second, right? A lot of the world has changed. Um, the way that we advertise, um, things like YouTube and Twitter um, are rewarding um, sharing revenue with uh, with those that are creating and they're getting better and better. And in fact, I think Elon tweeted out the other day that um, new video creators would get all the revenue that they generate. They don't, Twitter don't want anything of it. Then that's sharing economy coming out. Um, you've got, it's the, um, you've got the world of money's changing. Obviously there's a, I'm not going to get into a um, crypto versus uh, fiat currency debate here, but Bitcoin, XRP, shaking things up. There's a lot of changes going on there. The world of payments, which we work in a lot, that there's the Clerium's and the, uh, 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 and those kind of firms around the world moving away from traditional payment structures and moneygrams and HSBCs, et cetera. Banking's changing. Klarna in the UK, which I know is doing an amazing, banking's changed with, with them and others. There's BitGo and Nexo and these kind of banks that are popping up in Switzerland and Hong Kong, which are more crypto-based. The whole world is changing. Then you take in things like sports. I'm a big, big sports fan. I watch a lot of American sports. And you look at uh, specifically, I I follow boxing, NFL, NBA, things like that. You look at the way that these sports stars are generating things now, and they're they're becoming their own – their own management teams, they, you know, and largely they're taking control of their own careers and uh, and the same with obviously music and other things. They're not relying on the big labels and the big management teams anymore. They are running it. Um, uh, on YouTube, content creation, uh, Mr. Beast, anyone with a kid will yeah. know who Mr. Beast, you know, he's the biggest YouTuber in the world. He has more, he's a, his company is now a bigger production company than most of the traditional production companies. So the world around us is completely and utterly changing. And that is coming into the workplace. People want more control. I mean, look at the tech space, for instance, the last year, decimated. Amazon getting rid of 30,000. Meta getting rid of another 15,000. It goes on and on and on. And people are starting to go, look, I, I, I'm not going to rely on this anymore. I'm going to take control. I... And we're and our research again. I'm going to have to chop and change because otherwise I'm going to be here all day. But you can read it. <laughs> the listeners can access it and see the results. A lot of this was really deep research brought in by our team, but also a field research on the phone with people, but also from other reports as well. Is that people are realizing more and more that they want control and that they are the skill set, and we are 100% moving towards a more of a gig economy. Now I'll take DRM for instance we largely don't have full-time staff. We have people on projects and people come in when they need to. Law firms that we work with, less so in banks, but big corporates, we're helping them restructure the way that they employ people on fixed-term contracts as opposed to, um, as opposed to and, and specifically just specific projects as opposed to full-time employees. And that's putting people back in control. So this is all relevant because this is all how shaping the way that uh, uh, companies recruit and employ and how we then supply our services. But very quickly, and this is bringing in other companies as well, Dell, the, the brilliant Dell um, Technologies brought out a research report that said in the, 80% of all the jobs, 80% of all the jobs in the next decade that we'll all be working in haven't even been invented yet. That's Crazy. four out of five jobs. So when someone comes out and says, oh, we're going to replace this job with AI, I'm not scared about that. I'm looking at the opportunities Go, there's going to be four out of five jobs that haven't even been invented yet. There's going to be a whole new way of recruiting, a whole new skill set of recruiting, and we can prepare for this. Um, On the legal side, and this was research that was taken from LexisNexis, a big publishing house, phenomenal bunch of people there. And then we took that and our research team built on it globally. They've said that by 2026, which is only two and a half years away, 30% of all uh, solicitors in the UK will be working in the gig economy. One in three lawyers will not be working for Clifford Chance, Linklaters. They'll be working for themselves and they'll be project managing their time out. Our researchers took that and, and, and brought in a lot more research and a lot more work. 
And in the next decade, that's going to be as high as 70% globally. So, you know, almost three quarters of every single attorney will be working for themselves as opposed to the big firms, which affects those coming out of university, the article clerks, and then moving into lawyers and having to build their own book of business. And the list goes on and on. You know, 84% of millennials want to work remotely, 84%. 81% of Gen Zers say that they want, they value um, uh, experiences over money and climbing the ladder. That's everybody. That's pretty much everybody. So what we were driven by is not what others are driven by. And the list goes on and on and on. But the, f- the one that I couldn't escape, and I got the guys to look at this. Well, there's two that, that I really looked into this. Corn Ferry, the amazing Corn Ferry. Hopefully someone from Corn Ferry is listening to this. Their research predicts that as much as 85 million positions will go unfilled in 2030 because of global skills deficits. So what they're saying is Dell's saying that the jobs haven't been invented yet, and Corn Ferry's saying we won't be able to fill those jobs because we won't have the skill set. And in the middle, you've got some people with skill set not being able to access it and changing the way of work. Effectively, everything is changing around us. And if we're on the front foot, we can really capitalize. And I'll just end on the note because this was fascinating, and I got them to double check and treble check, and you know, because I didn't want to put this out there unless it was true. All the research combined, our wonderful industry is worth nearly three quarters of a trillion. So $761 billion US in the world every year is spent on recruitment fees. Amazing. And only a small section of that is with LinkedIn. So a lot of it's with agencies, which is great. Up to $3 trillion, which is a phenomenal amount. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know that, you know, what that would buy you, but, you know, <laughs> it's a phenomenal amount of money. It's wasted every year in recruitment on rehiring costs, <clears throat> the cost of bad hires, lost morale, lost productivity, um, and, and, and client relationships being damaged. And that is a phenomenal amount of money to, excuse me, sorry, we both seem to have the coughs at the moment. Um, the, uh, that is a phenomenal amount of money. And, and then I'm looking at that going, okay, Recruitment isn't broken at all, but, but we can be better and we can recognize the changes that are coming through this research and we can be better at it. And it was funny because I printed this out for you. I'm just going to end on this. I'm sorry, I keep um, interrupting. I know you probably, sorry, I'm getting very excited as I always do. <laughs> but I, I, won't, I won't mention the guy's name because it would be unfair, but there's, I follow a bunch of really uh, prominent recruiters on Twitter and some of them have got brilliant things to say and sharing details and whatever. And this one guy tweeted the other day, recruit, he put in brackets, uh, recruitment process is broken. And then he says, I mean, some parts need some work, but from what I can tell, vacancies are getting filled. And that's the point, right? And then underneath that was another guy going, yeah, and do you ever notice that it's people who don't work in recruitment that always say that it's broken? And I was about to type in, well, I, I, I'm in recruitment and I also think quite a large part of it's broken because of X and Y, but then I figured I'd probably get into a Twitter fight and I really didn't want to. Um, but underneath that was a lot of people who share very educated posi- uh, positions. They brought in their own research and they, and they were clearly in recruitment and saying, no, the recruitment process isn't broken if you see it as purely transactional. If, you know, but it's very short term. What I'm talking about here and what our research has found is how our job is going to change or is changing um, and, uh, and how we can adapt to that because the way of work is changing. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it was utterly fascinating. I'm going I'm to share all of it. Yeah, uh, my head is swirling. And I, well, first of all, thank you for doing the research that you have done. and. Um, summarizing and recapping it so powerfully uh, on the resilient recruiter, I'm I'm fascinated about this. And what I'm thinking, and what no doubt many of our listeners are thinking, is blimey! Like on the one hand, there's such massive opportunity. You know, when you talk about by 2030, the the research by Corn Ferry, you know, there will be. Um, 85 million positions unfilled because of global skills deficits. And, you know, when you 
when you just think about this seismic shift that's happening in that, like the Dell report that said 80% of all jobs we work in haven't been invented yet, uh, the, the jobs that we'll work in in 10 years time, then recruiters think, okay, how can I monetize this? What's the opportunity? But on the other hand, that there's also fear. There's also like the uncertainty. Well, how will this affect me and what must I do to adapt and to pivot in order to uh, be position myself that I can capitalize on the opportunity and not be a, a, a victim of, of the change that's going on in the world of work. So you've obviously had time to really think about this and, ha- and what conclusions have you come to? How are you adapting your business uh, in order to embrace I mean, we can't stop change, right? It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, there's no point in burying our head in the sand and, and wishing that you know we could just go back to doing things the way we've always done them. We have to evolve and, and embrace change. So what what are you doing in your business, Rob, in order to um, to do even better in the future, rather than to uh, fall by the wayside and, and be extinct? Yeah, good question. And that's really what I, why I want to share the research with everybody because there's no reason why we, we should ever fear change because we are so good as an industry at changing and adapting and, and, and embracing technology. I mean, I always use that example of LinkedIn, you know, when uh, I won't mention his name, but their former CEO said on Bloomberg that I watched once that said, we're going to be putting every recruitment agency out of business. And the recruitment went, no, you won't. And we took LinkedIn and made it our own. And uh, and then recruitment agencies have grown a hundredfold since. So, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, We won. Um, (laughs) But no, everybody everybody won. Um, But but, um, really good question. Okay. How do I put this? 75% of the world's workforce is Gen Y or younger, millennials or younger. Right, people like you and I are leaving the workforce uh, as we get older, and there's less of us. And 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 they largely, again, largely, are not prepared to put up with the norm anymore. This is a generation that come along and go, no, I don't dream of working for a big brand because I all I read is that every year they lay off thirty thousand staff, and I'm going to be on that. A lot of people want to take control over getting up, climbing ladders and getting up the ranks not everybody obviously but this is people are just made differently now and 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 that's great and i wonder you know i mean i said to you before but i also said to my 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 team who are largely in their 20s and early 30s what i love about this is that the press will have you believe that millennials are lazy i've never i've, I've never heard such rubbish in my life they just value different things they don't believe that I'm going to have a job for life or I'm going to get promoted. They just go out and get things for themselves and they value their own time and their own skill set more than any generation I've ever seen. My dad's generation, our generation, and, and you know, those ones who sit in, in between. But they value themselves, they value their time over anything else and they will go out and they won't wait to be trained. They'll go out and get it themselves. So this this drives a huge different way of working is that, uh, companies don't hold all the power anymore. It's a symbiotic relationship. You talk about um, the research we did um, touches on this, and this is touched on a lot. I read about this a lot in the sense that um, there's a talent shortage uh, in certain uh, fields. Well, yes and no. Uh, there is, there's a shortage of the right talent. Why? Because not everybody's just going to get looking for a job. I put in the research here, which again, I'll share. We said um, uh, there are more and more people in the marketplace, meaning the top 10% of, of, I've specifically talked about the legal market here, um, has access to 90% of the opportunities. And 90% of the people are fighting it out for 10% of the opportunities. It says we're in a global labor shortage of the right labor, not labor in general. We've got loads of people, um, but the right skills and the way that people want to work. The companies are going, well, you have to be in the office and you have to do this and you have to do this. And they're going, no, I've got the skills. I'm going to do it like this. And there is a bit of a fight and it will come 50-50. No one's going to win. It's going to be a symbiotic win uh, for everybody. And what those people want to get paid means that the top 10% in each sector have a choice. 
And those that aren't in the top 10% don't have those choices. So what does this mean? It means that we are, people are working out more and more. They're taking more control. They're taking more, uh, 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 their businesses are starting to become a lot happier working in the old temp model of project management. You know, I, that's definitely the way of working in most companies. I think we will see that there'll be a, the research shows, and I, I'm of this thinking that companies of the future, especially law firms, I know I keep leaning on law, but that's our big area, won't be 5,000 lawyers and support staff anymore. There'll be a core of, of management and, and much more, and they'll bring people in in pods uh, to, to deliver um, certain projects. And then it will be on the company to, to market themselves correctly, to bring in the right clients and then bring in the right skill set. There'll be a lot more, again, symbiotic, equal relationship on that basis. So what are we doing as a recruitment business? Well, we, we, we've, we found Stinted and we, we developed Umbi on the platform. And I would implore every single recruiter to at least look into it because what does it do? Well, it embraces, this is another thing that came out of this recruitment, uh, sorry, the, the research uh, into the industry is and it's something that you might have heard of and listeners may have heard of a little bit, um, but not really sure what it is. And that is the shared economy. So it's a, or circular economy is, is a term that's being used a lot um, in certain circles. This episode is brought to you by Recruitment Entrepreneur. If you've dreamed of starting your own business or if you've already got a successful firm and you want to grow more rapidly, then pay close attention. Recruitment Entrepreneur are the number one investors in recruitment startups and scale-ups globally. They provide everything you need to grow your business, including the funding and financial expertise, operational strategy and back office support, and marketing and talent attraction solutions. Led by James Kahn, they've already invested in 45 businesses and you could be their next joint venture partner. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC as in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them you were referred by Mark Whitby and the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. The final uh, part of this podcast, let's dive into Stintit and what you're doing with Umbi and how you're embracing this technology that relates to the shared or the circular economy. Could you yeah. like explain okay. so what the, what the platform is, does and how you're using it? <clears throat> yeah. And this is not a pitch. This is really not a pitch because I don't get anything out of this. This is just, do you want to prepare for the future? Do you believe that there's going to be pressures on contingency recruitment? If you do, there is a solution out there. Right. People like you and I, Mark, and many, many others out there are old enough and wise enough to be uh, approached many times, thankfully, by people who are launching new platforms and new uh, and companies and ask, do you want to get involved? Do you want to put in equity? Do you like what? And that's really nice because they obviously value our opinion. And I've, that happens to me uh, relatively often, once or twice a year. And, and it's always nice and flattering. Um, I, we, I don't get headhunted. So, so, <laughs> so it's always nice to be approached for your knowledge. I've always turned things down. I've always, I've always looked into them and I've looked at the pitch deck and I've gone, nah, it's not, yeah, it's not really answering the, the things that I think and can see longer term. That's not to say that they are not successful companies. Um, I was approached by the guys at Stinted and I just looked at it and thought, holy moly, this is, this, this answers all of the research as well. So what is it? What is it? And this is where recruiters are going to probably freak out. Uh, because uh, I, I have talked to others and they're like, huh? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so what do you mean? Yeah, so <laughs> it's basically, it's shared data and shared economy, right? So again, we are built to know that our candidate is ours and that's where we <clears throat> make our money. The platform is a shared database, anonymized database. So um, the best way to describe it would be this. So let's say, uh, let's use in, uh, British banks. Let's say HSBC is looking for a lawyer and they come onto the Umbi platform 
which is an app or online, and they and they do a search. It's free to do a search, and they find some profiles, profile one, two, three, four, and they go because it's a hundred percent matched. Everyone's been through a KYC background check as well online, so what's everything's one hundred percent. What's KYC? And, Know your customer. Um, so it's a banking term, but it's, you know, everybody's been verified, which again is a big thing that came out of this future working is that there's going to be much more emphasis by employers put on data verification. Is this person real? Can they do what they say they can do? So the system does that for you. Then they pay to unlock the profile, etc. Right. Now, so let's uh, let's look at it this way. So HSBC's gone into Umbi. They've paid. They've paid. They've they've done a search and they've found four platform, uh, four profiles. Now that profile, one of them could be from Umbi. One of them could be from Whitby Recruitment App. One of them could be from Coffee Cup Recruitment. One of them could be from another bank, um, Barclays. Whoever's got these platforms, they can't see the candidate name or they don't know where it's come from. Again, it's a hard description. But anyway. All that matters is they've got four provos. They pay to unlock it. They're now talking to the candidate. The candidate is a 100% matched, 100% verified. That's exactly what they want them to do, available when they want them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, hey, Rob, the shared you, data. maybe you're going to come on to this, Sorry. but you mentioned Bumble earlier. Does the candidate need to agree or accept before their profile yeah. gets unlocked? Yes, there is, a, there is a notification that gets sent to them up on their phone and it says, X wants to unlock your profile, or I can't remember the exact wording, and then you say yes or no, okay. uh, depending on uh, whether you, you know, you might have a problem with the firm or whatever it might be. So, so they've unlocked and they're and they're talking and, and and everything's matched. So it saves a huge amount of time. It's a proper skills matching platform. But the data, the shared data is that is the key. Is that is that so HSBC who've gone in on to, through the Ami Pro. Typically, if they came to GRM, then they're limited, and we get them exclusively, then they are limited to who we can find and, and what we've got on our database, which is no real value, if I'm brutally honest. There's so many people in the world. There's other agencies. There's LinkedIn, you know, the, the other platforms. They actually get access to more than just the Umbi. They get access to the profiles that are anonymized on uh, there. So when it comes to a pain to unlock the profile, and this is where the shared, so that's the shared data part. It's totally anonymized. You can't go in and steal each other's candidates. It's actually fostering a relationship where you, uh, it's, it's, it's important for everybody to be on there. Anyway, the shared economy so be, part. Just before we move on right. then, just this, this idea of the shared data, I guess if you think about it, what percentage of the candidates that you've got in your database as a recruitment agency do you actually place? It's quite low, right? So, well, that's a really good. That's a really good. You've point got. Because, let's say yeah, you've got yeah, for ninety-five percent of the database, right? You, so, you, let's say you've got uh, five thousand candidates on your database, and you make you know forty placements a year. That's like a fraction. So, you've got all these candidates that are not that are dormant. In effect, they're not really making you money. Um, so what you're saying is we could upload those candidates or add those candidates to this platform, but presumably do you need the candidates permission in order yeah, to go on there? That, like, yeah, certainly from a GDPR and Poppy Act perspective. And, and, and don't forget, I think in Australia now it's even tighter. Okay. You can't even keep people on the database past six months. You have to get rid of them. So, so yeah, the, 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 okay. Yeah. Unless so they choose to. Obviously. You, in, you would need to explain. You need to explain and sell the concept to the candidate and have them say, yeah, I'm happy to go on to this um, stint. Yeah, platform you or- do. And, and that was a, a little bit of educating with our candidates at the <clears throat> beginning, and it's still ongoing. But the moment you show them that, A, they're anonymized, so they can't, you know, and B, that we're not now hosting them on a different database that could be hacked. This is something that they get to choose to be on and they build their profile which has to be fully verified. You okay. can't just put your king of the world when you haven't been king of the world. The um, <laughs> you um, what it means is that you uh, yes. So the, the, it was a bit of a slow process at the beginning, but then once one of the things I say to candidates all the time, and someone will say to me, um, "What's the benefit of of being on it?" So well, look, I I can't promise to find you your next gig, your next project, your next job, because we'd love to. But like we say, 95% of the database, we can't really help at any one time. But you're on there and people will find you. 
and you, so you will get access. And obviously, we will get some money out of the process because they're sitting on our part of the of the of the database, as it were. Okay. Um, so it's a way of monetizing the candidates that you might not be able to help yet. It's better for them because they get access to anybody that's searching. Uh, it could be other agencies. Um, that was an interesting question when I when I spoke to another legal recruiter. And I said, "You should jump on Umbi and just see if there's any candidates there." Like, you mean you want me to go onto your database? I was like, it's not really like that, but yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, it's changing, pivoting the way that we're thinking. But anyway, they did, and I'm not, uh, I'll have to check in and see if they found anybody. But the um, but so it's a shared yeah shared system. Uh, it takes a little bit of time because the person has to want to to be on there. But again, you know, we by rights we have to actually ask the candidate if they mind us storing them on their data on our databases anyway. Because again, uh, it's called the Poppy Act here in South Africa, but it's the GDPR obviously in the UK. So we're getting tighter and tighter. Verification, data holding, that kind of thing. Anyway, this ticks all of those boxes. And uh, and yeah, just to jump into the shared economy part. Once HSBC has paid to unlock the profile and they're talking to their 100% match, the, uh, that amount, which I, well, it really depends on, you know, but for the sake of this conversation, let's say it's 500 pounds or 1,000 pounds or whatever, that amount is then split between Umbi, because we're the host or where the client came through, the, prof- the, the platform where the person was actually found the candidate themselves is is uh, shares in that revenue and any other stakeholder that's in that process so it rewards verification accuracy sharing and uh, it rewards the candidate ultimately for having a, a a fully verified profile and by verified i mean they the system checks education and various other bits and pieces so it it sounds super complicated but it all happens in about three seconds and it is it is unbelievable and the beauty of these stinted platforms is that they're available to anyone so when i was talking to them and we launched umbi obviously grm has so let me just cl- clarify so umbi is that like your white labeled version of yeah, stinted yeah. that's exactly it okay yes. so we've we've uh, so we're not you know you look at it if you compare it to uh, you know, having a license with LinkedIn, or if you have a, a, a license with Bullhorn or one of those other CRM systems, you're paying 50 bucks a license, aren't you, usually for Bullhorn? And this doesn't charge license fees. So you, you pay for it and then it's yours and then you work with it and, and, and that's, that's it. Uh, and, you know, we, we also use it. GRM also uses Umbi to search for candidates because, you know, we don't, it's not, it's not GRMs as it were, you know, it's, it's separate. So we, we also use it to search for profiles and then, and that so, works quite well. Other right. agencies can use it. Can yeah. I, can I play devil's advocate here for a second? Um, which is, it sounds like a pretty small amount of revenue by the time it's caught. Like I understand the sharing of revenue and the, and, and it sounds fair and it sounds you know uh appropriate but i just don't know how excited i am about m- having a split of a 500 you know uh amount to to un- you know the company unlocks profile and it just sounds like it's a small amount that can i be bothered going through all of the things that you're outlining in order to participate in that yeah a really good point and i asked the same thing um it's not, we've brought on, and again, this isn't going to suit every recruiter, but this is about preparing for the future. This is about tying into the research that we found and going, oh, well, this is, there is technology out there that will help us prepare or, or offer a service. So um, it's not, we didn't bring it on to replace GRM search. You know, we do high level, good project, exciting projects. Um, and uh, and the the team is pumped about those, and and it's not there to replace. It's it's there as an additional service for GRM, or, or additional platform. So when candidates come to us that we might not be able to help straight away, we go look. We haven't got any mandates at the moment that suit you, but you, I would suggest that you anonymously sign up for Umbi, and then other companies might find you. Um, so it's an additional service. It's something to do. And again, I'm probably speaking. But, but I'm dumbing this down a bit, but I, I can't think of another way of putting it. It's something to do with the bulk of the database that we're not able to help right mm-hmm. now, as it mm-hmm. were. 
and possibly generate revenue from there and also help them. Um, it answers a lot of the ticks, a lot of the boxes of the people of what how people want to work going forward. So you're you're absolutely right. You know, on the face of it, you go, well, that's not it's not a lot, but it's not actually meant to replace the the fifteen thousand pound fee that you can make elsewhere. It's there as an additional service. I believe, and the reason why we've got in early and we're developing it now is because I believe that. Um, this will be the future, and I don't want to be. Ca- I don't want to be playing catch up. I want to be ahead of the game. Right. I also believe, and I've said this quite openly, that my recruiters will probably end up having their own versions as well, because you don't have to be a company; you can be an individual. Anyone can buy the Stinted platform and, and create their own, whatever for whatever market they choose to. So it really democ- uh, democratizes and decentralizes the recruitment process. And I know they are buzzwords at the moment, but it is um, it is preparing for the future. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And I had the same fear. I was like, mm, I, don't, I don't. We're making quite a lot over here. I don't really. But once you take into all the research and you think, no, we're, we're preparing for the future. It's. I think it's the right thing to do. And I will happily help anybody who wants to do it with advice. But some people will listen to this, look at it, and go, hmm, it's not for me, or I don't agree with him but you know what I, I i'm pretty sure that you know as someone who's passionate about the industry i think it's the right thing to be doing and having it in your locker and the way i look at it is this is that if someone showed me linkedin in 2003 and i would have gone all right okay yeah that would have you know that, that that would be all right you know how many users have you got <laughs> yeah it's a good point i remember about a hundred thousand users at that point i remember looking at it right, and going, right. That's all right and now it's funny because yeah when i I remember um inviting people to initial like that early days of linkedin inviting people to join my network and people and this is recruitment business owners recruiters and they were like what the hell is this what why what do you why are you asking what are you asking me to do is this safe is this a scam like this was linkedin back like when it first launched that first couple of years and people were like really hesitant to join it. And they're like, but people will be able to see my network. You know, I don't want yeah. my competitors to be able to, you know, see who I'm connected with and all, and who I'm, yeah, people were just like, really, what, what the heck? Yeah, why what are you I asking me to do here, Mark? Yeah, exactly. Why would I want to be on that? Was, people why, why do I need it? People said the same thing about the internet when it first came out, when we first used to get those discs and we, from the newspaper and we had to upload it and it was super slow and you'd be looking at it going, well, I've got the library, <laughs> so why do I need that? You know, the, 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 you know, these things, time changes. This is yeah. here. Everyone can have it. And we've adapted it. And I think it's a, a, an excellent way to go. But yeah. Can I ask, um, you know, so you're, you're comparing Stinted to LinkedIn, but in a way, but this, but, and I just point out one of the things that excited yeah. me, and again, not everyone will agree with it. But the way I see it is democratizing and, and putting a lot of, Democratizing the recruitment process, putting the con- ha- uh, a lot of the control back in the hands of the skill set holder, the candidate, if you like, and making sure that everyone shares in that economy. Um, and I, for me, it, it is very similar like to the launch of LinkedIn. And for me, it's like giving everyone the, uh, the ability to own their own LinkedIn. And, and, and I know a few other recruiters that are currently implementing it who think exactly the same. They go, Okay, so it's like LinkedIn launching, but in a much more verified way, and I get to own my own version of it. And and and, I, and some of my consultants are going. So when can I have my own? Whenever you like. Just don't let it affect your day job. <laughs> so, right. Um, wow, that's really interesting, Rob. Listen, um, yeah. as always, it's uh, fun and super fascinating to chat with you. And so thanks for uh, the. You know, your passion for our industry, it really comes through and it's infectious. And, and, but not only passion, which is, you know, insubstantial, you've got so much substance behind this in terms of actual, you know, dollars and hours of time that you've invested in doing this research. And then, you know, being willing to, uh, to share it with our listeners is phenomenal. So, Rob, thank you very much. Well, no, I really enjoyed this. You. No, thank you. Thank you. And thank your listeners. I love your podcast. I love your entire um, sort of mantra for what you're trying to do. And, and like I said to you before, that I mean, not trying to do, you've got one of the most successful recruitment podcasts out there. I mean, you, what have you done? About 200 episodes now, I think. 
The, We're uh, getting there, the, not know, quite, but... No, not far, but, you know, you've had some fascinating people on there. I've listened. I haven't listened to all of them, but I've listened to a lot of them. I implore every uh, recruitment business owner to listen to your podcast. I really do. thanks, Rob. Because it's got people who on there that care and they want to share their secrets. The one thing I really care about is staying relevant and making sure that we continue to push that envelope of staying relevant to the big transactor, the person who's they're not going to listen to me and that's fine. I don't mind. But to people who really care about their business, want to leave a legacy, want to be around in 20 years, look at the research that I'll send you, look at it, read it and, and, and then see that there's, there are, um, there are solutions out there, but thank you so much, Mark. I really enjoyed right. being on the chat. Fantastic. Until next time, we will definitely need to do part, part three sooner or later. So, uh, Anytime. awesome. Thanks Rob. Have a, have a great day. Thank you, and you. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.